I thought you into my life Look at my mind No better place all the time How they align Universe must have my back Up from the sky into my lap And I know you know that you my soulmate Ladies and gentlemen Welcome to I Don't Get It The pop culture get off my lawn cast The podcast wherein two early 40s semi-curmudgeons stare down the prospect of their impending entertainment irrelevance. I am your co-host. My name is Noah Tarno, talking to you semi-live, being recorded from San Francisco, California, and I am the quiz master and founder of The Big Quiz Thing, the trivia game show spectacular, and my co-host, talking to you live from New York City. Hi, I'm Bill Scurry of American Caesar Enterprises, and I'm irrelevant. So, today, every episode we look at something that's hot with the youngins, and we try to make sense of it ourselves. And today's topic, someone I think we both had a passing familiarity with before we uh, decided this was our topic. Oh, sure. Uh, yep. Because he is currently, for the last four years, I believe, a cast member on a little hit TV show called Saturday Night Live. We are talking about Peter Michael Davidson. Pete Davidson. SNL cast member, stand-up comedian, uh, mainstay of the Comedy Central Roasts, and go- these days, gossip column fixture. Uh, Pete Davidson was born November 1993. He was born our first term at college, so we is old. And he grew up on Staten Island, and uh, if you learn anything about him, one thing you learn, he's certainly not shy about telling you that, is that at the age of seven, he lost his father when his father, who was a firefighter, rushed into one of the Twin Towers on September 11, 2001, and died. So he was raised by his uh, single mother, who I believe was the nurse at his school. And at the age of 16, he, uh, well, as you might imagine, he had some growing pains because of his father's death. He acted out a lot, became a pothead at a young age. But at the age of 16, he tried stand-up comedy on a dare at a bowling alley after he got high. And by the age of 17, he was performing at clubs in Manhattan. And by the age of 20, he was on Saturday Night Live. He was a cast member. And at the time, he was dating Larry David's daughter. Did you see that? Yeah, yeah I didn't know that. Yeah. Yep. So uh, he does stand-up. He's done a bunch of stand-up specials, including uh, SMD, which is... <laughs> Uh, double entendre, uh, it's internet slang for suck my dick, but it also happened to be his father's initials in his act. He talks quite a bit about remembering his father and memories of his father, um, but he does a real kind of every dude, young, pothead, openly talks about his depression kind of act. Um, on SNL, he's less acting in sketches and more just talking on a weekend update. Uh, and then lately, he's been more in the news because in the spring, he got engaged to pop music starlet Ariana Grande. They had a high-profile, was it tumultuous relationship or just high-profile? It was just high-profile, yeah. Yeah, they were getting tattoos together. They got a pig together named Piggy Smalls. I was thinking it was some Harry Potter reference because he's also a big Harry Potter fan. And he talks about that. Although he's like, I'm not going to go see that Harry Potter play on Broadway. It looks boring. And then, of course, he was engaged to Ariana Grande after a month of dating, and he bought her like a $90,000 engagement ring. And then last week, he uh, they broke off their engagement, and he canceled some gigs, and he's heartbroken, blah, 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 blah. So uh, we're going to look at this guy, the every dude of comedy for the new Generation Z, Pete Davidson. Bill, what do you think of this guy? I actually like him. I like him a lot. You know, there's something so unstudied about it. His comedy... It's apparent that when he started doing the show, he was not ready for prime time. 
I kind of think that's why he was enlisted to do it. His origin story is such that he um, was scouted by Bill Hader on this on this uh, set of Trainwreck when Bill Hader was shooting that in New York. Right. And I don't know, I forgot what Pete's involvement even was. I barely, barely remember that movie, but Bill Hader went back to Lorne Michaels and said, hey, this is the guy you want for this whole thing. And Lorne, having this preternatural sense of era, said, okay, let's make you the first cast member born in the 1990s, which is, right. you know, he holds this distinction among all others. He was he was hired when he was 20. Now he's 24. So he's been on the show for four and a half years or something like that. There's something about him that is so totally, I didn't do the homework. It's obvious that he is, has zero work ethic. He, <laughs> he is, yeah, that's, 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 he looks like yeah. he just woke up. Whenever you see this guy, he's got yeah. large bags under his eyes. He's got some serious dark circles under his eyes. I mean, <laughs> he knows that. Yeah. I think he, he's, he's not, I mean, sometimes you see the guy who's like, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm such a stoner. Like, I don't care. And it seems very carefully, like, contrived. But no, I really believe this guy's not getting enough sleep. Yeah, no, he's definitely not getting enough sleep. But yeah. also, he could just have, you know, deep, deep circles under his eyes for all No, he, he looks, I mean, some, sometimes he looks better than others. Sometimes oh, it's, it's assisted. Bad. But look, he's, yeah. he's not like a, a Belushi. The guy's not hitting speedballs. You know, I think that the most he does is smoke a brick of weed a weekend. I don't yeah. think he's fucking himself up with, like, fentanyl, which no, is why we don't need to worry about a Bernie Brillstein like putting the kibosh on this kid there's something kind of harmless about it he is again not really prepared to do the job and yet there is something appealing to him as a gen zer as a gen wire whatever you'd consider this guy people who talk about their therapeutic experience people who talk about their mental illness is pretty de rigueur amongst younger generations granted i don't think our, our generation riffs about it all the time I and mean, everybody talks about what antidepressants they're on if you're among our cadre but i think the younger kids grow up with a different register like oh yeah we were all on Ritalin we were all yeah. fucked up and especially this guy's got the scars to prove it you know his dad you know burned up in the towers and so that is a different story even than just being a bored suburbanite who's on lithium or something like that or Prozac but there's something kind of likable about him you know he he's not effortlessly funny but he is funny watching a bunch of his stuff you know listen to his process even talking about how and going back to the Aziz Ansari episode this perfect contrast right Aziz Ansari Sorry was a comedian in the mold of Jerry Seinfeld talking about this notebook where he was machining like yeah. a fine carpenter his act of you know removing grammar that didn't belong there and, and punctuation. Yeah. And it's like Pete doesn't do any writing at all. Pete says he no. hasn't even he's yeah none he hasn't yeah. turned on i saw his, that i saw that video yeah you showed yeah me that. he has not turned on his computer at 30 rock <laughs> since he's been there and so everything Jeez, he does sir. is discursive it's just based on yeah. well uh, let me just do this a bunch of times and does it sound right or not it's the perfect metaphor for for you know whatever his generation is it's like there's no expertise there's no preparation it's just like i'm the first guy to ever do this and also at the same time i'm not looking to oppress anybody so if yeah. it flops fine but if it's successful great i win either way yeah to a degree i don't get where that comes from and i subscribe to the noah tarno school of you know quality wins out and and you know the better mousetrap thing all that stuff and yet this guy is living proof of just show up you know rolling out of bed and you're gonna get tapped for yeah. SNL. if you win the the virtual lottery I know. I mean, well, I, you, and, and, you're you know, gonna, you're not going to realize ninety-eight percent of this guy's success is luck. But you're not going to sit here and tell me that he's like the best-looking guy. No, because, not at all. No, he, I mean, but ninety percent of that lottery has to do with looking like Troy Sivan. You know, to reference our well, last episode. Well, but it, it depends what role you're being used to fill. 
Uh, right? look, He's not being used to fill the, the fashion plate role. You know, no. Troy Sivan is being used to fill the gorgeous gay star role. Okay, but uh, this guy punched, he punched Ariana Grande's ticket. It's like, so there is right, some... Right, but she's crazy too. You know? No, I mean, no, no. I, I, you know, that's, that, that's the, I, I see where you're going with that. I, whatever, I mean, but that, that's, that's not... He's like a Gen Z sex object, you know what I'm saying? No, I, don't, I wouldn't I don't, say. I don't think he is. I, I think, think it's true. I don't think role. he's not. He's not necessarily boyfriend material, even though Ariana Grande probably contradicted that. I think that he has, as this one article that I had posted to you, he's got something called BDE. Yeah, yeah. As they, right, the, the, sure. inter, the internet loves to say he's got big dick energy, right? He's got this right. confidence without the yes, obnoxious swagger of a man who's trying to compensate. And who knows what his actual girth is? But it's like there's clearly. Well, he did, yeah, the article says actual girth is. It's almost metaphorical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dick to have big. No, dick. let's be no, clear no. about that. Right, right, right. He just shows up, not looking to impress, and right. has these sort of like benefits. I don't know if it's benefits from low expectations or whatever. Whatever he's doing, granted, he would talk about the years before SNL as being very dicey. He dealt with a shitload of uh, health problems and personal problems, and, and, yeah, and, and yeah. but has, it's like he has Crohn's disease, which is no pick. Which is fucked up. Yeah, that's that's yeah. like that's a real that's lupus of the bowel, if you want yeah, to think of it yeah. that way. But it's like things aren't going so bad for him, considering that he just like woke up without doing his homework. Uh, somehow, his lack of preparation has belied some sense of natural charm. Yes. And he's leapt up into the spot that a million other people of, yes. his, of his generation would want. So I don't yes. know. What it, so tell me, where, where do you go with this? Well, I think similarly. I mean, my main reaction is he's okay. I mean, I agree. He contradicts not contradicts, but, you know, my usual belief is like, it annoys me when people don't work hard. It annoys me when people don't earn it. He doesn't annoy me that much because I think he's very self-effacing. He's very self-denigrating. Yeah. And he does have quite a bit of charm. And he does have this confidence and non-obnoxious swagger that makes him hard to dislike. I watched maybe an hour's worth of his stand-up. And by the end, I was done. I enjoyed it. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I enjoyed it, but a little went a long way in that he's just not that good. You know, he's got decent stage presence and the confidence, which is why I could never make it as a stand-up. Because in hindsight, my material was fine. I just didn't have the stage presence or the confidence, so I was never going to get anywhere, no matter how good the material was. His material is just okay. I mean, he's got flashes, he's got moments, he's got a couple good lines, but it's just there's nothing really cutting or deep about it. I first saw him, maybe I'm getting off topic here, I first saw him on the Comedy Central roasts. I love those. No, those are great, yeah, and, and he was good in them, too. And he's fucking amazing in those. And granted... My understanding, maybe I'm wrong, is for most of the people on the roast, they don't write their own lines. Right, yeah. Because there's a whole team of writers. But I remember, he's got half a dozen, he made fun of Ann Coulter and said, if you're here, who's scaring away all our crows from our crops? <laughs> he had a line that was like the slow burn to get the audience to laugh. Peyton Manning was there and he said, I just love the subtlety of this. Peyton Manning looks like if football players evolved so that they wouldn't need helmets. Yeah, it's a great line. It's just, it, I don't know why it's funny, but it's fucking hilarious and he delivers it so well so at first i'm like oh he's a funny guy but then you're like nah he probably didn't write that no so he's he's talented he's not very talented and his stand-up isn't that deep you know i mentioned it this is all in the background is that lorne michaels is the dr evil uh, he's pulling <laughs> the strings and yet there's something creepy about this guy where he somehow sniffed that this all was possible and this just adds to his legend he gets to discover Pete Davidson, put him on TV. You have a whole raft of people who would never watch SNL 
are watching yeah. it because fucking Pete Davidson is up there mumbling his way through sketches, corpsing, and right. then do, doing those awesome weekend update bits that people write for people write for him. Yeah, that sound better than what he would come up with. Yeah. All of it is is incredibly pretentious and and a little insidious. However, it works, and you know if it works in Pete Davidson's favor, I'm all for it. I think someday he's going to seem very old-fashioned. The way how, like, by the 80s, Johnny Carson seemed like some relic of show business past. Yeah. I think, I just get this feeling that there's something about the way Pete Davidson ports himself and his stand-up act that, like, if he's still doing this act when he's 55, he'll probably be popular again because it'll be retro. It'll be like people laughing at, (laughs) it'll be like people laughing at William Shatner or, you know, Robert Goulet or something. Um, I don't know where that came from, but you know, there's just something very, and partly it's the, it's the, I think the laziness, it's just, Hey, I just do my thing. You know, well, your thing is, you know, if you don't work at it, it doesn't change. It doesn't read the room. So to speak. You know, there are parody comedians that do what he does as a, you know, a bit of parody to make it seem like they just like Neil Hamburger, guys like that just show up and do something that makes it seem like I'm a bad comedian. And the joke is he's a bad comedian. Pete just shows up and he's an unprepared comedian and it's funny and everyone's on his side. Yeah, the, I mean he's he's okay. I mean he's But again, he's, you don't you don't need to be great. You don't need to be a great singer, you don't need to be a great painter, you don't need to be a great architect. All you need to do is be there at the right time to win the lottery as you say. I'm understating the affinity I have for this guy or perhaps his charm is working on me. Either way, I'm in the tank for him. Do you think He's got hidden depths. Do you think he's the kind of guy who, let's say, three years from now, someone casts him in a movie, like with a really good script? I would have never assumed that you could get a punch-drunk love out of Adam Sandler, and yet there it was, you know? There's a certain guy. He's a character actor we both love. He's very underappreciated. This is for our boy Stanley. Let's get it! Tucci gang, Tucci gang, Tucci gang, Tucci gang, Tucci gang, Tucci gang, Tucci gang. Some of you don't know the name, but that's that guy from the Hunger Games. Transformers, the last night. Beauty and the Beast and Spotlight. Noah, can you tell me in a quick, encapsulated, pithy explanation why Pete Davidson is popular these days? He's a bit of an everyman for whatever you want to call 24-year-olds. I, By the way, I hate Gen X, Gen Z, Millennial. I think it's mostly bullshit. Throughout my 20s, I had people tell me I was too old to be Gen X. People tell me I was too young to be Gen X. People tell me I was right in the middle. Gen X is meaningless. And millennials are meaningless. It is. 95%. And by the way, I was talking about this last night. When people complain, oh, fucking millennials. You know, when they complain about millennials, what they're complaining about, I see just as much in other generations. Yeah, of course. It's not millennials who have this problem. It's 2018 that has this problem. And it infects everyone. And to any extent it's infecting millennials more, it's just because they are emblematic of the time. Sure. But I'm getting off topic here. So whatever is 24-year-old now, I think he is very emblematic of that. So he's very relatable. You know, he's, he's very of the time. Hmm. And then, of course, the viral thing, he was found, he was put on SNL, and whatever you want to say about SNL and its ups and downs, it's still an extremely effective method for <laughs> delivering content, comedy content to the masses. He seems genuine enough that I will not say, hey, I should date Ariana Grande. That'll make me famous. You know, not like what Anne Heche did or Nicole Kidman. <laughs> I guarantee you now because of this, he can get more meetings, command more attention, and command more money than he could a year ago. Yeah. 
No, it's true. Only He'll, because the gossip magazines are now following his every move. He'll get a three-picture um, Netflix deal out of this. Uh, I, I'm going to give him, Pete Devinson, credit that he didn't have a tumultuous four-month engagement to Ariana Grande purposely as a way to raise his profile. So, you know, right place, right time, right character. Well, let me add to that. I think that there's yeah. a sex appeal thing, which the, obviously neither of us are going to get into. And I even I asked my wife about this. I said, yeah, tell me, like, is this uh, just some sort of like, you know, anonymous male, 24 year old, 10 inch long dick himbo? <laughs> you know, my wife said, no, not even necessarily. So but but there is a, I think there is a, a, an appeal component where he's obviously not good boyfriend material, but there's something kind of like bad boy, even though, you know, he's not like a violent bad boy. He just looks like. A, yeah. A maladroit boy. I don't know if that's yeah, the, the the tattoos and the weed and the, yeah, but the, right. But it's just yeah. he just doesn't fit in. He's you know he like you said he wears his mental illness on his on his sleeve and and it's like he he just is is damaged to the point of damaging himself and not necessarily anyone else around him. I think that there is some like you said the re- relatability. The fact that he doesn't look like a threat because he he wears the same giant pajamas. He looks like a supreme head. You know he just wears streetwear <laughs> everywhere. He's just he looks like a child even though he's twenty four. He doesn't look like the twenty four year old I was, he looks like the 24 year old he is, which is this this extended adolescence that's going on forever. And I think that it looks like, oh, he's just one of us. Yeah, other than the fact that he made a lot of money by accident, which he completely owns up, it looks like he's a guy that just won the lottery. He's made a scratch off right. and all of right. a sudden he's got this million dollar <laughs> ticket, which is really reassuring as opposed to some people who make it seem like all I'm doing now is collecting on what I was owed the entire time. All of these things I think really hit with people. I mean, this is such an uncertain age. And, you know, like who I would have followed as a role model professionally at 24 is so different than what these kids would see today. And again, people right. didn't run around wearing like cotton sweatsuits the entire time. That just wasn't what was happening when we were 24 years old. I think they were. I remember seeing rock stars and talks. I remember reading one cranky old man writing an editorial. It was like, this rock and roll star was on a talk show wearing a, a white T-shirt. You should dress up when you're on. That's well, I mean, a, a white T-shirt almost seems like a fucking dinner jacket compared to what Pete Davidson wears. You know, yeah, it's it's like it's extremely expensive streetwear. You talk about how he has a cuteness factor, and one thing he makes light of. So his his father was Jewish, and his mother is, I believe, Irish, and he was raised Catholic. Yeah. But I've seen some of his stand-up. He he has a joke. He says, "I look like a white black guy." Yeah, yeah. He does this pan-racial he's, thing. Yeah. He's got this indeterminate look. And actually, one joke I remember from a roast that I liked is someone's like, you know, they make fun of the other people on the day. I don't remember who said he's like, "Pete Davidson, you know, what are you? You're that race of whatever the Rock is, <laughs> and every parking lot attendant ever." <laughs> and I love this specifically. That although I would point out, the Rock is. Half African Canadian, half Samoan. Do you think part of his appeal, if he has this physical appeal, I'm not sure about that, or maybe just his relatability. It's not about being sexy; it's about how to relate to him. It's post-racial. It's he post-racial. Ha- right. He has a post-racial, multiracial look to him, even though he barely qualifies. I mean, it's, he's not biracial because both of his parents are white. No, but it's it's the fr- look. It's not the unless first you're thing. a Nazi and you think Jews don't count as white. <laughs> it's not the first thing I would go to, but I do think it's applicable here because it does mean something. Or I, as I see it, it means something to other people, and that it doesn't mean anything. It's kind of mm-hmm. like. 
it, it because he's so indeterminate to other people, that's what they're seeing into him. I guess it puts him in, and also he is post-racial. It's like he talks with a black scent a little bit, but he kind of mm. sounds like he's a little, you know, Italian from Bay Ridge, and he dresses like a black dude, you know, who's, who's a, you know, hip-hop guy. Yeah, and, but two, and, and, two-thirds of the, two-thirds of white guys his age dress like black dudes. Yeah, 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 that, that's it. But it's like, he's so appropriative, but in such a way that's it's respectful. There is this uh, real homage paid to everything he's swiping. And so he just kind of looks like, you know, this uh, ball of tar that picked up all these things that it stuck to along <laughs> the way. Y'all know me, puffing that OG, young VIP. Can't get a job because I smoke too much weed, but you're full of THC, okay? Okay, hey, hey, yeah, uh, peep, you talking about the wrong trees, fam. What would you think of him if you were 24 now, or even, or maybe more to the point, if you were 16 or 17 now? I think it would have been inscrutable because there's still the idea that he is so lodged in streetwear and effortlessness and reefer that that kind of shit is not just like something as an older man I could look past, but that would have been an active turnoff. And a cultural figure, I feel like, I don't know your references. I honestly don't know what it's like to smoke a carrot-sized blunt to get over <laughs> The death of your dad or something. And so, like, it, when I was a kid, it would have hit me much more along the lines of, well, we're both male people. We're both contemporaries. What am I doing to cope with the world? And what are you doing to cope with the world? And then even on top of that, what is your world and what is my world? And Pete is not telling jokes about my world. The difference is, is that I'm older and I can drop the shit. And so I can listen to somebody else talk about this stuff and, and or you know, his own particular journey. I don't know if I would have had that freedom. So I don't think there's any way I would have been been kind of conjoled into his act if I was a younger man. I think I would have deemed it a little bit inscrutable, a little bit of a Rubik's Cube. He just would have been a wild man, you know, just just this anti-intellectual, for a lot of the reasons you point out, you know, like he's contributing to the death of expertise. And it's like, man, all I'm trying to do here is get straight A's and be a good college student and be a high earner. And this guy rolls out of bed and gets on SNL. I mean, that would yeah. bother me a lot more back then. Yeah. It, oh, me too. Totally. I mean, I've said many times my dream as a kid was to be on SNL. I know. So yeah. if I had been 16, I would have... I mean, yeah, it's he, he was from a world of streetwear and all that that would never, and I wasn't a pothead, so I wouldn't have been more late to that. But I think I would have liked him. But then, if I had been twenty-four, I would have been jealous that he mm -hmm. rolled out of bed and fell into the SNL studio because uh, that's not the way it's supposed to work. And of course, now years later, I'm past jealousy of that because. I'm not. I'm not going to be an SNL. It's not the way it's supposed to work. I mean, I, I I can have both of these things in my mind at the same time without exploding. It's not the way it's supposed to work, and yet I'm okay with Pete Davidson being a public figure. Well, because you let things go. Yes. Yes. I mean, I you have to, right? <laughs> I mean, what what do we do? Why do we get out of bed in the morning in 2018, America? I got engaged, and no one could believe it. And I can't believe it. And uh, yeah, I get it. She's the number one pop star in the world. And I'm that guy from SNL that everyone thinks is in desperate need of more blood. Is there an element of the apocalypse to this tall, gangly, inebriated young man? The answer is no, except if he suddenly becomes the gold standard for quality. If people suddenly start treating him like something more than a, a charming everyman. A curiosity, yeah. yes. Right. I mean, this is why I, one of the reasons I don't mind him nearly as much as I mind Jimmy Fallon is because Jimmy Fallon has been made, you know, he's the Tonight Show guy. He's, he's now become this comedy icon, yeah. even though he's arguably even lazier than uh, Pete Davidson, right? <laughs> I, I mean, he's certainly not as likable. Well, he's, he's, art, he's the artificial version of Pete Davidson, that's for damn sure. 
I'll be bothered if Pete Davidson wins, you know, the Mark Twain Prize and is, <laughs> is you know, hosting the Academy Awards. I'll be bothered then. But if he keeps on this trajectory of, like, just being a charming, mildly amusing guy and gets a Netflix special and guest stars on sitcoms, uh, you know, no, it's fine. I mean, since time immemorial, there have been people like this, and he's more pleasant than a lot of them. Let me ask you a thing. Uh, I, I mean, yeah. this maybe is my more my theater as, as a cineast and a cinephile and a moviegoer, but I'm, I'm curious, like, if an actor was in his position and the actor just showed up and started getting these roles and some kind of steam based on the lack of preparation, the lack of diligence, and the lack of expertise. Mm-hmm. Acting isn't something that really works without all those things, whereas you might right. say comedy has right. a sliding scale where you can right. get away with being a different because, person. Because a lot of being a good comedian is pretending that you're just talking off the cuff. That's yeah. what guys like Aziz Ansari and Seinfeld do. No, it's so, true. Yeah. I mean, he said yeah. that his, his model was to just, he doesn't write things, he just starts talking and he, he amends stuff verbally mm, on the fly. Yeah, he but, just makes notes to himself and changes his act right. off the page because he refuses right. to write things down, which is very, right. I, you know, atypical for any kind of comedian I've ever heard of. It's, it's not the apocalypse because it's the future. I, I mean, I think it's not just the future, it's the present because one thing we've kept on, um, for every Troy Sivan who looks like there's so much diligence and so much effort on this show I'm saying that we've talked about there are enough examples of people who just kind of show up and win the lottery right. by a right. bucket falls out of a you know splashes them on top of their head because it's placed above the doorway <laughs> artfully and you know Pete is more the latter rather than the former but I feel right. like we are more going towards the we're going to the idea of somebody showing up unprepared and winning the minute and a half lottery every minute and a half yeah but then for every idiot like you know the smosh guys we get a Bo Burnham no, but there, there's one Bo Burnham for every and, and 80, 85 Smosh guys, though. I don't know. Bo Burnham's doing better than the Smosh guys. I mean, he's doing we, okay. we just we just waxed American Vandal's car because that thing was the writers carved it out like fucking Michelangelo making the David. I mean, I'm so happy cr- that we managed to find these things. But yeah, well, yeah. my point is they're out there and they're they're doing okay. Some of them they are, but there's so many more Lil Yachty's. You know, there's so many more people who just show up and just start doing it without any preparation who wind up getting the gold key to the city. You know, I mean, but that's always been the way it is. I think that the, the split, the differential between good to pedestrian and or mediocre, you know, used to be one to eight. And now it's like one to 98. I don't know about that. I'm, I think our show is evidence that it's not that bad. And in fact, I think it might even be... Look, everyone remembers the Beatles. The Beatles were awesome. People forget the, all the, the thousands of shitty Beatle wannabe bands that were awful because they're forgotten by now. My audition for SNL. I, um, I just did stand-up, uh, and I just assumed that I wasn't going to be on the show. That's all I remember. I just remember doing stand-up and then getting a call back and then doing stand-up again and nobody laughing and then not hearing anything, and then like five days before the first episode, I got like hired. You know, I think you know my answer more or less, but uh, well, I think I know your answer too. Are you in any respects jealous of Peter Michael Davidson? I have to, you know, cop to a little bit of it at least, I think, is that, you know, there's this thing about this guy who looks like he didn't show up totally prepared for the gig. I might actually say I could do stand-up better than him. That doesn't mean it would go over <laughs> I can't. I can't. Come on. I, well, I... You look, don't know, you, I don't think you can, though. I I'm honestly... Not- don't think you can. You might think you can, but you can't. I know. I know what you're saying. But I'm, <laughs> I feel I have this I have this inclination that I could. It's just it's not reality. There's no way you could. I'm inclined to say this. There's no way you could recreate the 
amount of fortune that he got over a short period of time. Now, granted, it has nothing to do with uh, his misfortune and, you know, the, the, the circumstances under which he grew up. A lot of the professional bounces that came his way are really hard to mimic. And so can you get angry at somebody for luck? Yeah, I mean, I guess so. You can because it's like, man, it's not fair. But, it, you know, fucking nothing's fair. There's been a lot of guys on SNL and women who went to SNL and washed out. Yeah. Pete is not the worst of them. There were a lot of people who were Second City educated and Groundlings graduated and they, you know, were washed out of the show really quickly. I, I don't want him to go anywhere. I'm not like fomenting for his firing. But it does. It's like, what about those other guys? What about the Paul Brittons and the Finesse Mitchells of the world who were short timers and feel like, man, I put years and years and years of sketch writing and stuff into this. Maybe I feel a little bit of that uh, envy, you know, of like, oh, there's there's other people out there who've just machined the Salieri's of the world who machined their craft and didn't receive didn't receive nearly as much of the uh, goodwill from the business that they might have otherwise felt they had coming to them. I feel similarly, of course, I'm jealous because he's on SNL and I wasn't. You get older, you let that stuff go. He's clearly got shit going on in his life that I thank the good Lord every day I don't. So, you know, you turn that around. That's one of the secrets of life is reframing. And you realize, well, I not I might not be famous and I might not be banging pop stars and I might not have BDE, but... <laughs> <laughs> I might not have as much as much money as he is, but also I. It seems I'm on. I'm far less medicated than he is, and you, you can't be jealous of everyone. What can I say? I appreciate so that. that. Hey, you know, uh, speaking of speaking of uh, growing up and letting things go, this is the great time to announce before we bring our show to a close that you were just the guest on another podcast. Not yeah. only that. Yeah, speaking of, speaking of growing up and letting things go. But it was a podcast by a former guest of the show, yes. Mr. Nicholas Nadell. He does a show called Movies My Friends Have Never Seen. And you just showed up for the third episode uh, yes. uh, of, of your yes. guest appearances. Yeah, so basically the, the gist is he talks to people who have never seen classic movies that you've expected them to see. And he has them watch it and talk about it. So he had me watch Garden State which uh, I had never seen, but which was particularly important because Zach Braff, the star, writer, director of Garden State, was a very good friend of mine when I was in middle school, and I lived in the town that his character goes back to in this autobiographical movie, and I had never seen it. So I talked about why I had never seen it, and my friendship with Zach Braff, and I might not do stand-up anymore, but certainly willing to expose myself for an audience, that's for sure. No, I, I liked it. It was a great episode. Thank Anyone you, listening to Thank this, you. if you like Noah's voice, he actually does a different <laughs> thing on Nick's, I mean, other podcasts, but like this is your third go-around with Nick, and I think those yeah. episodes are different than this discussion that we have yes. here, and I think you and Nick get to someplace else, and it's, I would say it's it's topical in a way that we're not topical. It's just different, but I really appreciate uh, how, how polished that episode is. Well, thank you, William. I appreciate it. Yeah. So anyway, uh, listen to that and listen to the rest of our back catalog. You know where to find us. We're on uh, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher. Tweet to us at Noah and Bill Show. Write to us at Noah and Bill Don't Get It at gmail.com. Visit I Don't Get It podcast. Go on Apple Music, iTunes, thingy bullshit and give us a review because reviews <laughs> are a great way to get new listeners and push and, recommendations, things like that. And to feed our egos. Feed our egos, which are starving, as you know. So I am on Twitter at William Scurry. I'm on YouTube at AM Caesar. This guy, Noah Tarno, will tell you. Uh, I'm all about the big quiz thing, bigquizthing.com. We are now feverishly booking uh, holiday parties, corporate and quiz events nationwide. This is a busy season for us. It's happening. So, but uh, still some dates available toward the end of 2018 and certainly into 19. Uh, you can learn more about us at bigquizthing.com. You can 
you can write to us and get a personalized quote for your custom trivia event. And of course, we're on Twitter and Instagram, Facebook at Big Quiz Thing, LinkedIn, Yelp. Yep. So Noah, uh, I will conclude this episode by saying I wish I profited as handsomely from having as crappy a dad as Pete did. Oh, I wish I had profited as handsomely from having an actually pretty good dad as Pete did. Once. There you go. I profited we're- in non-monetary ways. All right, everybody. Words to the wise. We'll see you next week. A production of American Caesar Enterprises 2018.